0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Thanks for tuning in for this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, the House is now back at work. The media is also at work trying to dig up damaging information on House Speaker Mike Johnson, and they've apparently found it. Several outlets running with a story that Mike Johnson and his wife Kelly have a covenant marriage. It just so happens I know a little bit about Louisiana's covenant marriage law. I authored the legislation back in 1997, but I had help passing it. The House Majority Leader Steve Scalise was in the Louisiana legislature with me, and he helped me pass it, and he'll join me to help me talk about it in just a moment. As the House gets back to work, there are many pressing issues, including the November 17th government funding deadline. With insufficient time to accomplish the appropriations bills, What approach will the House take? We'll find out when Mississippi Congressman Michael Guest, a member of the House Appropriation Committee, joins me in just a moment. We are also uh, going to get a report from Congressman Glenn Grothman, chairman of a House Oversight and Accountability subcommittee that held a hearing yesterday that was entitled Faith Under Fire, an examination of global religious persecution.
2: When religious freedom is
3: not protected extremism and authoritarianism flourish the more the u.s. can do to advocate and advance this critical freedom the more we will deter the very groups who wish
0: to do us harm
1: that was global christian relief president and ceo dr david curry testifying before the subcommittee yesterday that there is a link between religious freedom and national security Well, what is contributing to the rise of persecution? We're going to talk about it later when Congressman Grothman joins us. As Iran inches closer to escalating the conflict in the Middle East, some say it's time for the U.S. to send Iran a message.
2: We need to tell Iran clearly what happens if you escalate against America, you escalate against Israel. You will be in the crosshairs. Pairs of American military response. It is your choice to make. If you want a war with America, you will lose it. If you continue to try to throw gasoline on a fire, you're going to regret it. That
1: was Senator Lindsey Graham on the Senate floor yesterday. He joins us a little later here on this edition of Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So how can we have peace when it appears the world is spinning out of control? Well, look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So the question is, what are you watching? What are you meditating or thinking about? If you're being inundated with negative news, news from a humanist worldview, the legacy media, guess what? You're going to be anxious. We're not to bury our heads in the sand. Rather, we're to confront the challenges by going to God in prayer with a thankful heart. Join me each morning, Monday through Friday, for a short devotional based upon the daily reading at TonyPerkins.com. Well, it didn't take long for Democrats and their legacy media allies to bring out the knives for Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, following his election yesterday. And while we uh, we do need to be praying for him amid these attacks, and you can do so by texting the word speaker to six, seven, seven, four, two, we've got a prayer pledge and we're standing with him in prayer. We also need to be praying for the House, for the entire Congress, and we're doing that as well. So they can take on these difficult challenges that are ahead of them. I mean, we've got the Middle East. uh, It's currently a tinderbox. Government funding set to expire in just over three weeks. There's a lot to be accomplished. But I want to talk a little bit about these attacks that are coming just one day into the job. Joining me now to discuss this and much more is House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. He represents the 1st Congressional District of Louisiana leader Scalise, welcome back to the program.
4: Tony, always great to be back with you.
1: So I I don't know if you heard me at the the opening, but they've they found some uh, damaging information on Mike Johnson. He has a covenant marriage, and uh, (laughs) you know a little bit about that because you helped me pass that back in nineteen
4: ninety seven. It was your bill when you were a state representative. I was proud to support the bill and. Mike Johnson was one of the earliest ones to bury his beautiful wife Kelly, and uh, was featured nationally about it. You know, if that's if that's what they're going to attack him on, then boy, they've really found a great one. Let's keep telling this good story.
1: Well, let me say this: I want to. I just want to commend you, Steve, for the way you handled uh, all of this in the last few weeks. You know, you've got many things going on, and 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 we had you on the program, and and we've been praying for you. For your health, but also you were you were being considered for speaker and that was a difficult process. And then when everybody unified around Mike yesterday, you came right there with him and uh, you were right at his side. And I'm excited, quite frankly, for the House, because now there's going to be a seamless relationship in the leadership with the speaker and the leader and the rest working together to move the Congress forward.
4: Well, Tony, it was so important that we come back together and get the House open together and unify. And Mike Johnson's a dear friend. I've known him for almost 20 years back to when we were in the State House. Uh, we fought a lot of battles together. Mike and I are both former Republican Study Committee chairman, you know, so, you know, conservatives at heart. And we want the same things for the country. And so, you know, philosophically, we're right on the same page. I, I met with him yesterday. We rolled out a new a calendar last uh, yet last night to we were supposed to be out uh, back in our districts the next two weeks. We're coming back to D.C. because we've got a lot of work to do to make up for lost time to get our appropriations process back on track, to get spending under control, to get our border secure, to lower inflation, uh, to support Israel, uh, to stand up to Iran. We're bringing a, le- a piece of legislation next week, Tony, to... Ban Iran exports of oil. They're making billions of dollars selling their oil and using that to fund Hamas to go and invade and attack and kill Jews and Americans and others in uh, in Israel. I mean, why would we be helping Iran, Biden administration, drop sanctions on Iran to let them sell more oil and make billions of dollars? We're bringing a bill to stop that. We can make more energy in America. We can make it cleaner. And that money doesn't go to Hamas. So we're going to bring those bills next week. Mike's ready to get us to work, and, and I am really proud of him, but proud to be there with him as the majority leader to get our agenda back on track. And I think most Americans, as they get to know Mike Johnson, they're going to love his passion, his love for this country, and his desire to get back to the constitutional principles, Tony, that you and I know we hold so dear but are being threatened right. by the left right now.
1: You know, uh, Steve, the, yesterday in his remarks before the, the House you know, he made reference to I'm actually quoting scripture about how, um, you know, difficulties, persevering through that. It, 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 it makes us stronger. It gives us greater hope. The, the House has been through a lot uh, just this year since this new Congress. But the last three weeks, in your opinion, is the Congress stronger? Is there more hope? I mean, I certainly saw it yesterday, but you're, you're there right in the middle of it. Is there more optimism moving forward?
4: There absolutely is. And look, the last three weeks, it's not like we were just sitting around. I mean, we were having a lot of internal conversations, Tony, about how we make the institution work better. This, this town is broken. Washington has been failing the American people for too long. Both parties. You don't see the Democrats doing anything to try to change What is broken, they're making things worse for families. They're moving towards socialism. We spent the last three weeks, and I was involved in a lot of these conversations, talking about how to refocus on the things that matter to the struggling families, the hardworking families, the the people that get up every day and go to work. And and they're tired of waking up going, what is a federal agency going to do to come after me today when I'm just trying to go about my life? You know, which federal agency is going to try to make a small business have to shut down because they're putting burdens and regulations that make no sense, the woke stuff coming out of every agency, all of this garbage that makes families struggle, raises costs, and does nothing to promote what is great about this country? How do we confront it better? And that's what we're focused on. You don't see—the Senate did nothing, by the way, for the last three weeks, and they weren't in disarray. Well, but, they had a functioning majority, and they not, didn't do any work. That's not new. The press doesn't cover that. Right,
1: that that's, that's not new. I don't mind
4: if the press covers the fact that we spent three weeks focusing on how to make the House work better, because now we are refocused. And our focus is going to benefit the American people who are sick and tired of what's broken about Washington.
1: Well, I, I, you, you said the Senate's not working. Well, I mean, that's really nothing new. But I, I do want to play a clip from uh, from the Senate scare leader, Chuck Schumer, today on the, uh, the Senate floor. Clip five.
5: If Speaker Johnson repeats the mistakes of Speaker McCarthy, if he tumbles down the MAGA road, it will be inevitable that the House finds itself trapped in even more chaos very soon.
1: So I, I think the message from uh, Scare Leader Schumer is that the, the Republicans in the House need to wave a white flag and just sign up and, and go with our agenda.
4: Yeah, and, and they don't even know what MAGA means. They, they, it's, it's like when the Tea Party movement was, was emerging, and Nancy Pelosi called it fomentum in all those <laughs> words. And then she lost the majority not long after because it was people sick and tired of Washington trampling over the rights of hardworking people. That's what the left has been doing for the last few years since COVID, when you saw all the shutdowns in the blue states, and then you saw the red states saying, we're going to open up and embrace freedom, and we're going to let parents have a say in their kids' education, and the Democrats were the ones standing in the way embracing socialism and shutdowns, and the people who could move, they moved out of blue states and moved to red states. Well, we can't move out of the United States. We have to fix what's broken in this country, and that means we need to change the people that are running Washington. And Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are not going to be in office come the end of next year because I think the American people are sick and tired of the socialist movement, the big government socialism. It's failed everywhere. It's been tried in other countries. We cannot let them ruin this great country, and they're trying to. Uh, uh,
1: Congressman Steve Scalise, one final question for you. We're, we're almost up against a break, but the, the House is just one branch. You've got I mean, you've got the uh, one chamber of the legislative branch how are you going to drive that contrast so the american people see the choice that's before them come next november
4: tony i think it starts with the border and with spending and and i think the american people are already with us this is where joe biden really doesn't get it you don't just have republicans you've got democrat mayors look at abrams in new york you got mayors all across the country the mayor of dallas just switched parties from democrat to republican if they don't realize what's going on in this country because they opened the border. Millions of people come across, including people on the terrorist watch list, people from Middle Eastern countries that want to do us harm that have not been vetted at a time when you just saw how dangerous the world has gotten. Joe Biden has opened up our border and let the drug cartels take over and bring in drugs that are killing our young people. People are sick and tired of it in every community in America, and he won't do anything. We are going to stand up. And fight. And we're not just fighting alone. We're fighting now with Democrats who are sick and tired of it, too. The American people are figuring this out, and Joe Biden won't. And if he doesn't get on board and work with us to fix it, he won't be president come the end of next year.
1: Yeah. Congressman Steve Scalise, again, uh, excellent job this week. You just made, uh, yeah, I'm so proud of you. You've done such a great job, and uh, just appreciate you coming on today, and uh, always great to talk with you.
4: Well, appreciate your faith. Appreciate your prayers along the way, Tony. I know you pray. For, for us, for our country, uh, your listeners have prayed for my health, and I thank you because my health is getting dramatically better. Uh, but this country needs to come back. Uh, everybody who believes in freedom here in America and the world counts on us. We cannot let this this great country fail. We won't.
1: You're absolutely right. Love you, brother. Have a good weekend. I love
4: you. Thank you. God bless. All
1: right, folks, uh, pray. You, you heard it right there from uh, Steve Scalise, but let's pray for the Speaker and the Congress. Text the word SPEAKER to 67742 and join the effort. All right, more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Don't go away. We're back after this.
6: Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. As I was uh, mentioning as we were going into the break, we are calling folks to 21 days of, uh, of prayer for Speaker Johnson and the Congress so that they can get things back on track moving forward. And if you'd like to join in this effort, you can sign a pledge to pray. Text SPEAKER to 67742, and, and I'm going to share that uh, with him. Or you can go to frc.org slash House Speaker. Well, now that the House of Representatives has a speaker, Congress is back to work. And with government funding set to expire November the 7th, spending negotiations have become a top priority for Speaker Johnson and his Republican colleagues. Now, conservatives agree that continuing resolutions for stopgap funding are not ideal, but we've only got less than about three weeks, and there's no way to get the appropriations done, uh, not within that time frame. So what is the way forward? Joining me now to talk about this, Mississippi Congressman Michael Gass. He is a member of the House Appropriations Committee, so he should know. Congressman Gass represents the third congressional district. Congressman Guest, welcome back to Washington Watch.
3: Well, thank you. And look, uh, I want to tell you uh, how excited I am that uh, Mike Johnson is our new Speaker of the House. Uh, He is a humble, godly man. Uh, You contrast him with our last Democrat Speaker of the House. You have someone who uh, is a man of faith. Uh, He's pro-life, believes in traditional family values. He values the Constitution, believes in limited government rule of law. He is going to be an incredible speaker uh, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to have voted for him uh, and
1: to serve under his leadership. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, I think we're going to see some great things ahead. And one of those things, he's already involved in the negotiations revol- uh, involving f- government funding. So what do we know? What are we looking at in terms of addressing the November 17th uh, government funding issue?
3: Well, you know, I, I have to say that, that Mike has really hit the ground running. Uh, you know, two days as Speaker, uh, yesterday uh, he was able to get to the floor, uh, resolution supporting Israel and condemning Hamas. Uh, today, his second day as Speaker, uh, we passed one of our 12 appropriations bills, the energy and water bill. Uh, and so now we've seen that the House of Representatives has passed five of the 12 spending bills. Uh, we know that our friends in the Senate have yet to pass a single uh, spending bill out of their entire body. Uh, But we have a very aggressive timetable. I think uh, 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 Steve Scalise mentioned that just a few moments ago on your show, uh, that Mike will work to see that all appropriations bills are brought to the floor uh, in the next three weeks. Uh, But we will have to address the fact that government funding will run out. Even if the House is able to pass all the appropriations bills, we won't have time to marry the House bill with the Senate bills uh, and get those bills to the president's desk. So it will necessitate at some point. Uh, a short-term continuing resolution to give us time to finish the work uh, on that process. Uh,
1: Michael, I want to come back to that um, short-term stopgap measure, but I want to go back to something you said a moment ago. The the Senate has not yet passed any of their appropriations bills out of the chamber. Now, if if I'm not mistaken, they, they, they have not been absent a leader, maybe an effective leader, but not absent a leader. Chuck Schumer's running the Senate over there. They've not yet passed a single appropriations bill?
3: That's correct. And historically, the last several years, that's what you see. The Senate does not pass appropriation bills out of the entire Senate. Uh, They will uh, try to use the committee markup, uh, the, uh, the bills as they come out of committee to negotiate with the House but they have not they have yet to pass one the the house has taken up six we've passed five of the six of the ag bill we were unable to get across the finish line we will make changes to that uh, and we will uh re negotiate and uh bring that before the house for a full vote again Uh, But we've been able to pass almost half of the appropriation bills in the House. And again, that includes the fact that we had the debt ceiling negotiations where we were unable to mark those bills up because we didn't know the spending number, Uh, and then the three weeks uh, that we've lost legislative time as we were electing Mike Johnson to be our next speaker.
1: Well, it, it appears that maybe the media just missed that aspect because I haven't seen them reporting on the fact that the Senate's done nothing.
3: Well, and you're exactly right. You know, uh the the house is often blamed for things uh when we are actually moving. I mean, we are we are much further along uh, under Republican leadership than we ever were when Nancy Pelosi was speaking. We were never this far along uh, when Democrats controlled this chamber. Uh and so even with the chaos that we've seen over the last several weeks, Republicans are working hard to to honor the promise that we made to the American public which is we want to get back to regular order. We want to pass 12 individual spending bills. We don't want to get jammed with an omnibus bill, which is what we've seen time and time again.
1: So let's go to that uh, continuing resolution, short-term spending gap. Before all of this kind of blew up, there had been a proposed uh, continuing resolution, short-term funding that actually dialed back government spending, if I recall correctly, about 8%. It dealt with border security issues. Are we going to see something like that again? I
3: hope so. I hope that that Mike will look at uh, what Republicans offered before. Uh, Again, you talk about the fact that it had uh, border security, that there was a a debt commission which would look at long-term spending, what we can do to bring that spending curve down. Uh, And it also had a 30 percent across-the-board spending cut uh, that excluded programs, of course this this dealt only with discretionary spending, not mandatory, but if you take out defense and veterans, it was a and, and homeland, it was a thirty percent across the board cut. I hope that Mike will offer something like that again, allow us the opportunity to vote on that, uh, and then we can send it to the Senate uh, and let the Senate respond as to whether or not they plan to keep right. the government open or not.
1: so do you think you'll be able to get that type of support among your Republican colleagues in the House for a measure like that?
3: I do. Uh, You know, we were very close last time under Speaker McCarthy, uh, came just a few votes short. Uh, I will tell you that no Democrat in this chamber will support that. So we as Republicans are going to have to carry that exclusively. I
1: I thought it was a good proposal. I mean, you're dialing back spending, you're addressing the border. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Speaker Johnson announced yesterday that there would be a a debt, bipartisan debt uh, committee that will be looking at debt. He did.
3: Uh, he, he announced that yesterday uh, from the roster and after he had been sworn in. Uh, but you're exactly right. You know, as far as, as this is the first time since I've been in Congress where we actually propose legislation in a CR to cut spending. Every other time, uh, we've either increased spending or we've left spending flat. Right. This would have been a decrease in spending. This is something that the American public wants to see Congress do.
1: I hope it gets teed up again. Uh, Congressman. Michael Guest, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to see you again. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you letting me be on. Absolutely. All right, folks, we've got more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. We're going to go to uh, Wisconsin Congressman Glenn Grofman. He's going to join us to talk about a hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday about the rise in religious persecution. Who's being targeted and why? That's next. Don't go away. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. Lots of resources there for you, as well as contact information for all of our guests. Well, yesterday, a lot happening on Capitol Hills we've been talking about. But yesterday, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee's subcommittee on national security, the Border and Foreign Affairs, held a hearing. The hearing was entitled Faith Under Fire, an examination of global religious persecution. And uh, an important hearing. You know, this is an issue I care very deeply about. Having served as chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, this is something we continue to track. Now, witness testimony shined a light on how the Biden administration frequently, and I saw this myself in my last year on the commission, they overlook religious persecution, routinely waiving sanctions that should be in effect. And again, we've talked about this on the program. But the Biden administration Instead of focusing on religious freedom, they're insistent on exporting the LGBT agenda, and this damages U.S. global standing and creates instabilities that, quite frankly, they have, uh, they have a threatening effect on our national security. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Glenn Grothman. He is the chairman of the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border and Foreign Affairs. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Wisconsin. Congressman, welcome back to the program.
5: Glad to be on the show and very good topics to bring up today.
1: Well, uh, thank you for leading this, this hearing. This is something that under this administration has completely been lost. It was the number one foreign policy of the Trump administration, but you're You're hard pressed to find any evidence that they're working to promote it or protect it
5: it's going the other way uh and particularly with regard to Christians, there are a variety of uh religious let's say minorities that are persecuted around the world. but if you look what's going on in Nigeria say as Christians are being killed by uh the Muslim group there, you look at Armenia and what uh, is being done to those folks. By people from Azerbaijan, it's just horrific, as well as just people being suppressed kicked out of their country uh say the Catholic priests in Nicaragua you know years ago Ronald Reagan tried to uh, get a handle on the communist mindset in Nicaragua they are now back uh, and so all around the world we have Religious persecution, which can happen to other groups, too, right? Can happen to even one Muslim against the other in Pakistan, what have you. Can happen to Muslims in Red China. But the, the number one group, I think, that's under attack today is Christians.
1: And we don't hear much about this. I know during my time on the commission, we would focus on that. But the media wants to focus. And, and, and quite frankly, it's it's more acceptable to talk about the persecution of other religious minorities. But when you bring up Christians... And we're seeing increased persecution in India, uh, Pakistan, uh, you know, some of these that we're nurturing our relations with in terms of our foreign policy. But is there any evidence, Congressman Grothman, that that this is being discussed in our high level uh, negotiations with these other countries?
5: I don't think so. India is an important one. You know, it recently became the most populated country in the world. China is no longer the most populated country in the world. But there's kind of a anti-Christian feeling uh, in India right now. Uh, we all you know, like to have a high opinion of, of Mr. Modi, who's running that country right now. But n- no question, you know, uh, very pro Hindu at the expense of other groups, uh, one of which is Christians. So, so, Congressman, let me ask you, based
1: on the testimony that came forth yesterday, was there a, a kind of a common thread woven between the different countries when it came to religious hostility and persecution?
5: Well, well, just that the United States does not appear to be weighing in. It doesn't seem to be a problem. And uh, that's very concerning. And like you said, when you let off here, maybe the reason— um, the U.S. government is not that concerned about Christians being persecuted is they themselves are weighing in on other countries with their LGB agenda, their Planned Parenthood agenda, as we uh, try to use our financial muscle or our foreign aid to make these countries less Christian. I mean, you might as well put a sign outside the current administration. We think there are too many Christians in the world, or we think people should not be living a Christian faith.
1: Well, I I would agree what we've tracked is that the LGBT agenda is the top priority in terms of foreign policy. In fact, the president himself just three weeks ago at the Human Rights Campaign annual dinner stated as such. And and so as you juxtapose that with the previous administration, religious freedom was a top foreign policy priority not to be found now. It's being crowded out. In fact, it's creating greater hostility to religious freedom as they push this LGBT stuff.
5: It's really a problem you gotta remember when they push the l g b stuff what that means. they went absolutely ballistic when in Florida, they tried to stop uh this gay teaching to uh seven year olds right Right. I mean, that that's what the agenda is. We want to introduce five-year-olds to this lifestyle. We want to put it in their mind that uh, this might be an option for them as they grow older. So it's what I would say a very extremist uh, an extremist idea for schools. Right. And if the U.S. would push this idea beyond the United States and on other countries, is is beyond horrific.
1: And it becomes a national security issue because it creates greater instability globally. Congressman, we're out of time. Always great to see you. Uh, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
5: Glad to be on the show and hope all your listeners weigh in with the government and say "We, we don't like this Christian hostility from the United States. We definitely will do that.
1: Congressman Glenn Grothman of Wisconsin. All right, after the break, we're going to be joined by Senator Lindsey Graham, having just recently returned from the Middle East. We've got some news for us. Don't go away. We're back after
5: this.
6: Get this free guide at frc.org slash pro-life men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
0: FRC, celebrating 40 years with Congresswoman Lisa McLean.
2: In, in Congress, it's tough. And you get hit, you know, you get, you get bombs thrown at you from all different sides. And at times... Um, you have a tendency to get down. FRC approaches things in a very different way. It it approaches it with a faith-based principle, in a a faith-based manner, which is really lacking not only in Congress, but I would say in America today. FRC is an organization that provides an optimistic, hopeful,
4: positive view of the future.
1: That was Congresswoman Lisa McClain, and we do approach it differently. We approach it from a biblical perspective, as opposed to the legacy media looking at these things from a humanist worldview. Right, we're very clear about that. We don't hide it. All right, as as war rages in Israel, Iran continues its own flex throughout the region. This uh, month, nearly two dozen American troops in. Iraq and Syria have suffered injuries due to aerial attacks from militia groups backed by Tehran. Now, in a Rose Garden ceremony yesterday, President Biden said that he warned Iran's uh, supreme leader uh, to expect U.S. reaction if these strikes continue. How long are they going to continue? Well, many in Congress are saying, hey, it's time to act. But as the war in Israel creates a powder keg threatening to engulf the Middle East, how should the U.S. respond? Joining me now by phone to discuss this and more, Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he is the ranking member. He's on the Senate Appropriations Committee as well. And he just returned from a trip to the Middle East. Senator, welcome back to Washington Watch. Uh, Thank you very much, Tony. Let's start first. uh, I'm going to get into Iran because that's very much uh, a part of this discussion. But you just returned from Israel. Your impressions of being in Israel?
2: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Can you say that again? I lost you for a second.
1: Yeah. Just you you just returned from Israel. You went with a bipartisan delegation. Your your response to what you saw over there?
2: Okay. Number one, uh, it was worse than the Nazis. THE CRIMES ARE uh, COMMITTED AGAINST THE JEWISH PEOPLE, CHILDREN BURNED, WOMEN RAPED. I'VE NEVER SEEN SUCH savagery IN MY LIFE. Uh, THEY OUTDID THE NAZIS. HAMAS IS A RELIGIOUS, FANATICAL ORGANIZATION, NOT TRYING TO HELP THE PALESTINIAN PEOPLE. Uh, THEY'RE TRYING TO DESTROY ALL THE JEWS. THEY WOULDN'T EXIST WITHOUT IRAN. ISRAEL IS BEGGING THE UNITED STATES TO LET IRAN KNOW THAT IF THE WAR EXPANDS, IT WILL BE THREATENED BY US. The only thing between this war getting bigger is a strong America. And I am urging President Biden to up his game. 30 Americans have been injured since this started in Syria and Iraq. We have done nothing. Uh, And uh, if Hezbollah comes after Israel in the north, that could be very devastating to Israel. So I am telling President Biden, all my Democratic friends and Republicans, put Iran on notice. If this war gets bigger, we're coming after you.
1: Is the Senate poised to do that in a bipartisan manner?
2: Well, you're the first I've told. I have very close to a bipartisan agreement with a resolution that would urge the use of military force against the uh, Islamic Republic of, of Iran if there's an escalation in the north, if there's continued attacks on American troops in Syria and Iraq and other places. If we can say that bipartisan, that will be very helpful. I think there's some like-minded Democrats. I'm really close. Hopefully I can tell you and your listeners in a few days we did it.
1: Uh, Senator, you would not be alone in this. You have some former military leaders, generals here in the United States, saying that, look, Iran only understands uh, action. Words don't mean a whole lot. And as they continue (laughs) to attack uh, in uh, through their proxies, American troops, if we don't do something, it's going to continue.
2: Well, Trump understood that. They were afraid of Trump. Trump kills, uh, you know, Soleimani, the the head of the uh, Revolutionary Guard that killed Americans in the past. Trump put Iran on notice. Trump uh, Trump put him in a box. Biden doesn't have the deterrent effect that Trump did. President Biden needs to up his game. Uh, Our friends in Israel in their fight for their lives, pray for them. Uh, The bottom line here is Iran's Ayatollah has to believe that this— IF THIS WAR EXPANDS, THERE WON'T BE TWO FRONTS, THERE WILL BE THREE, THAT THE UNITED STATES WILL KNOCK OUT YOUR OIL FIELDS. THE IRANIAN ECONOMY IS DEPENDENT ON OIL. THAT'S WHERE THEY GET THE MONEY. THEY'RE THE LARGEST STATE sponsored TERRORISM ON THE PLANET. ALL THE OIL uh, REFINERIES ARE SITTING OUT IN THE OPEN. Uh, I'VE BEEN SAYING FOR DAYS NOW, WEEKS NOW, LET IRAN KNOW IF YOU TRY TO COME AFTER US, YOU'RE GOING TO BE OUT OF THE OIL BUSINESS. IF YOU ESCALATE THE, the FIGHT AGAINST ISRAEL, YOU'RE GOING TO BE OUT OF THE OIL BUSINESS.
1: This is Washington Watch, and my guest, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, joins us by phone. The Senate just got out, and he's uh, at the airport uh, getting ready to, t- to take off. Senator, I appreciate you uh, taking a moment to join us. I, I-, I want to go to what you identified and what others have pointed to as maybe a trigger for Iran using Hamas to go into Israel to disrupt what has been taking place in terms of conversations between Israel in Saudi Arabia and arrange building on the Abraham Accords of peace in the Middle Thank East. You.
2: Yes, let me just uh, you know I'm I'm about to go off to speak to the Republican Jewish Coalition and the bottom line is why did they do this now? Hamas and their puppets of Iran to stop the efforts that you and I have been working on to have Saudi Arabia recognize the Jewish state called Israel to end the Arab-Israeli conflict. It is a nightmare for Iran if the Arabs and Israelis come together, leaving them out. That's what this was about, to destroy the deal between Saudi Arabia uh, and Israel. That's what they're trying to do.
1: Well, there's a history here of when Arab nations begin to recognize Israel, their right to exist. I mean, we saw it in Egypt. Of course, we've had a few uh, disruptions in that when the Muslim Brotherhood took over, but right. th- it's, right. it's, it's moving back to a, a working relationship between those two countries. If, if there's that type of recognition, we've seen it in the UAE, uh, we're seeing it elsewhere. So this could, be, this could be reshuffling the entire deck in the Middle East.
2: Well, that's why I like doing your show. You know, we have a peace treaty between Jordan, Israel, Egypt, and Israel. The Abraham Accords, uh, you had several Gulf states and Arab nations recognize Israel on Trump's watch. The big prize is Saudi Arabia. That's where the Islamic holy sites exist. Medina and Mecca, that's the heart and soul of Islam. To have the Saudi crown prince and his country recognize the Jewish state as being legitimate, accepting Jews in the Mideast. Israel is a legitimate country. Doing business with Israel, having peace agreements and treaties with the United States is the best thing in the world to keep our friends in Israel safe. It takes the Mideast toward the light, away from the darkness, and it's Iran's worst nightmare is for the Arab world to join with Israel to move forward. That's what they're trying to stop. Pray for our friends in Israel. That's what they're trying to stop.
1: And, and you know i 'll just speak this from from an evangelical. We know that we 're never going to have permanent peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace returns, but I believe we have a responsibility to try to arrive at a managed peace that is workable and beneficial to our friends in israel i don 't think a two state solution has been one that has brought us any peace, but I think this approach of working with other uh, Arab nations to recognize Israel's right to exist puts pressure on the Palestinian authorities and and others.
2: Absolutely, in Saudi Arabia, uh, part of the deal between the United States and Saudi Arabia, defense agreements, economic agreements, uh, recognizing Israel has a peace for the Palestinians. But you can't. Hamas is not wanting a state. Are the Palestinians? They want to kill the Jews right. like the Nazis.
1: Well, they, they have a have state. To be destroyed. They've had control of Gaza since uh, 2007, since Hamas was elected as yeah. the leadership, the government there. Yeah. What have yeah. they done so with
2: Gaza's it? Gaza's been. Yeah, Gaza is used as a launching pad to kill Jews, and any Palestinian who wants to live with Israel. In peace, they kill. So it's a terrorist enclave. So Now, the Palestinian people. Let let me just
1: just ask you about that for a moment, because Israel has been handcuffed in years past. Every time I was there in 2014 when they were lobbing rockets over, in fact, I spent a good bit of time in a a bunker. And we we always, the, the international community says, well, don't go too far. Stop right there. Is it going to be different this time, given what you saw? You saw the evidence. You saw what they did. Are we going to allow Israel to take care of business?
2: Well, I tell you, Lindsey Graham will. I'm going to give Israel the time and space to destroy Hamas. That's non-negotiable. They're religious Nazis. Their charter is to destroy Israel. What they did to children, babies in the crib, raping women, killing children in front of the parents and vice versa is beyond what the Nazis did. if There is such a thing. The bottom line here is they need the time and space to go in on the ground. You're a military guy. You can't destroy this organization from there. Go in on the ground and destroy Hamas, then work with the Arabs or create a better life for the Palestinians. That's the game plan. Don't put pressure on Israel to stop a military operation that will destroy religious Nazis.
1: Uh, Before I let you go, Senator, I I want to talk about how the the, the international pressure is already building. I want want to play a clip from the secretary general of the the U.N. from Tuesday of this week. Now, he's tried, I'm going to be very clear, he's tried to walk the comments back, but it's the second time he's made these comments. Clip number four.
4: The attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian
1: people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. Senator, that was Secretary General Antonio Guterres at the U.N. How, How can we expect to build international support for Israel when we're getting this out of the U.N.?
2: Well, I wrote a letter to him. I'll get it to you. Uh, He's trying to suggest there are two sides of this story. There's not. Hamas is not trying to help build up the Palestinian people. They're trying to kill all the Jews. That's their charter. There is no equivalency here. There is no vacuum. The head of the UN, the voice of the world, made one of the most inappropriate statements in modern history, suggesting that there was a... uh, Legitimate reason by Hamas coming into Israel, slaughtering babies in the cribs, raping women, killing children in the arms of their parents. That is a bunch of BS. Should he, I sent him a letter. Should he resign? That, uh, I think he needs to walk it back. I, he has forever tainted himself uh, with our friends in Israel. The bottom line here is it's almost like saying you need to understand the Nazi side of the story in World War II. No, you don't. There's no moral equivalence here. These are terrorists who are are trying to kill all the Jews. Let me tell you, Israel is trying not to kill Palestinian civilians. That's the policy of the Israeli government, is to try not to kill innocent people. Hamas wants to kill innocent people, including their own. So there's no moral equivalency here. It was an inappropriate statement. If I can get a Democrat to join the me, to say Iran's the bad guy, if the war expands, we're going after Iran, that will be a great help to our friends in Israel. Pray that I can find a Democrat, or several of them, that will deliver that message to avoid this war from getting larger.
1: All right, uh, we will certainly do that. Uh, one final question for you: As you were interacting with uh, the Prime Minister and other uh, uh, friends in Israel, yeah. uh, w- what's their sense in terms of uh, America standing with them? Uh,
2: They—they are—they were very. Appreciative of a bipartisan delegation, five R's, five D's from the Senate. They're very appreciative of what President Biden's done. They're worried we're not sending the deterrent message to Iran strong enough. They appreciate America's uh, support. They've hit. They've had a gut gut punch. There's been this idea that Israel, you know, is, is controlling everything. Well, we missed 9/11. We missed Pearl Harbor. These things happen. Israel needs us as not only supply our weapons but they need us as people they right, have been right, wounded right. they're our friends right and when a friend is down and out you come to them uh not only to help them financially but spiritually yeah they need our spiritual help as much as our
1: weapons. yeah that, that the, the moral support knowing that you're not alone in this battle is uh, is tremendously Amen. important senator i know you got to go thanks so much for uh for taking time to uh, to join us
2: Thank you. God blesses those who bless Israel. God
1: bless. All right. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Uh, Actually, I'd love to have Lindsey on the program because he understands foreign policy. He's a little more hawkish than I am, and he and I have talked about that. Um, But he understands the, the chessboard, the global chessboard, and how all these pieces fit together. And I'll tell you, this administration doesn't. You know, we were talking earlier about their top foreign policy priorities. And again, the president coming out of his own mouth just uh, 3 weeks ago it's all about the lgbtq and it it is what has sent a message of weakness to the world and there's not a single doubt not not an ounce of doubt in my mind that this turbulence that we're seeing globally this turmoil is the result of failed leadership by the president administration and the pushing of the wrong policies. And, and, and Senator Graham's right. I think the best thing to keep Iran in check is to let them know there's a price to pay for this. All right, folks, we're uh, out of time. Let me encourage you once again to text the word speaker to 67742 and pledge to pray for Mike Johnson, the new speaker, and the House of Representatives. That's speaker to 67742. Until next time. I leave you once again with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6 where he says when you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, when you've prepared and when you've taken your stand by all means keep standing